He is enough, isn't he? And he is worthy. Lord, we come before you. Our hands are stretched out to you this morning, knowing it's only your grace that has provided all this for us. That's the good news. That is the gospel. It is your grace, God, that allowed Barabbas to be set free. He thought it was the people, but it was you, Lord. It was you that sets us free from our desire to free ourselves. And so we become enchained, literally locked down in our pride and our hurt. And God, I pray this morning that you would do miraculous things to teach us the gospel is the good news that all of your sin is forgiven, every last ounce of it. God, help us not to give up. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you have been to see the Avengers movie. I'm not usually into promoting movies, and I'm not a big fan of Avengers. But I went last night thinking, I want to go because Josiah wants to see it, and uh, my wife is in Georgia. And so we went with the Denhoffs, the five Denhoff boys, Ray, myself, and Josiah. And it just has the most ridiculously powerful message. It's not just about all these fictional characters. It is, it is truly about appreciating what you have every day and understanding that life is about relationships. It is not about things. And I was sitting right next to Ray, and I distinctly marked in my mind things that were being said that I thought were extremely powerful. But at one point they said this, you can make all the money in the world, but it won't buy one second of time. And I saw Ray kind of shuffle around a little bit in his seat, and I just thought to myself, we like to work ourselves out of our bondage. We love to work ourselves out of our fear and our bondage and all of these things when God has already done it. I was discouraged yesterday. I started out the day good, but by the end of the day, I was very discouraged. And I was talking to Ray about it. So after we came out of the movie, after three hours and some minutes, we got into their bus, the big black bus, and on the dash was this book with a card and a letter on the front of it that Maria had gone to the Christian bookstore and bought this book for me and put it in the van while we were in the movie. And I read the first chapter and I just thought, how powerful. I love Kyle Eidelman's writing. It says, don't give up. There are many people in the room today that are on the verge of giving up on something. The entire movie is about fighting for your relationships. It's about gaining back people that were obliterated. It is very, very, very powerful. It made me cry at the end. That's why that movie was booked from morning to night in I don't know how many theaters, is because there's a message there and people tell other people when there's a message, you gotta go see this. I was sitting there crying. And I was thinking about my message for this morning about the power of momentum. Because I, I do honestly believe that sometimes we, we get on the right path and we, we get saved and we get on the right path and there's a little bit of momentum there in the beginning because there's this fresh wind, this fresh fire in our lives. And so we start moving in the right direction, but somewhere along the path we quit. 
we just quit, we give up, we throw in the towel, and we're done, done with. I was shared with the praise band earlier this morning that when I was in sixth grade, I decided to go out with my brother, who was a year older than me, go out for basketball in junior high school. And so day in and day out, we'd go to basketball practice until it got cold. My dad's rule was you have to walk home from practice and you have to do your chores when you get home. It was five miles from the junior high school. It didn't take very long in the cold weather to just quit. And I never went back to basketball. And to this day, I regret the fact that I had opportunity that would have been good for me, but I didn't do it. Many people are sitting in the room on the verge of giving up, and they never got the momentum they needed to make things right and keep going. This book, God, Where Are You? by John Bevere, is an amazing book. And basically, he says in the book, in this particular chapter, he said there are three things that you need to remember when it comes to momentum. He says, first of all, you know that you have more to accomplish. There is more to be accomplished out there, but you've already thrown in the towel and think, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going in that direction. There's way more to accomplish, but you have given up and retired from dreaming. He says the second thing is you need to finish the race strong. And so many of us hinge our race on somebody else's race. Their pace is not our pace, and their race is not our race. This is my race. I'm more than, more than anxious some days to be done and just be retired. And then I think of our president. 70-some years old, and that guy goes stronger than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And every time I mention our president, I get feedback the next week, we hate Trump, why would you even mention him? I like him. And I'm the one speaking. So you're going to just have to endure it. Maybe you could learn to like him if you realized how much good he's done in our nation, and we're, and we're even one ounce objective. You obviously are watching the wrong news stations. You obviously are watching CNN or MS garbage. It is total political garbage. I'm not just talking about the economy. I'm talking about everything in life. And then he says there's one more thing. There's one more thing that you have to keep in mind as, as you're thinking about not, not building momentum. I've got to find it here. Press on. Simple. Press on, don't quit. Press on. What is momentum? It is, an, according to the dictionary, it's the quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass and velocity. So, and then the second definition there is the impetus gained by moving objects. So, in other words, momentum equals size times speed. If I put a large object in my hand that's very, very heavy, and I start winding it around and getting ready to throw it, it'll have great impact. But equal to that impact will be a small object that is going faster, as in the case of David and Goliath. I look at this. I look at this seriously all the time. When I think, is our church growing? Are we moving in the right direction? Is there anything actually happening here? Are you with me? 
Is there anything happening? I could easily get discouraged and say, well, now that family's moving, and this family's doing this, and this person's on this page, and I could get sidetracked. I could easily get sidetracked. I need to remember that even though we're a little church, and even though I'm not a Judas Smith who did that video, I can make impact. This little church can make staggering impact in our community. You can make impact. One little stone can kill a giant. Yeah, one little stone in the hands of a person who is prepared and anxious to do something can kill giants. You're not having success in your life in a particular area because you've given up or nearly given up. I am not alone in this. You want to do something but you got your eyes off the goal and you're not even going to finish strong because you're on another path completely. I just told Casey this week I want to make a video. Have you ever seen that commercial tackle with Kathy Lee Gifford in it? How many have seen it? Naturally, Vince, who goes to movies every day. and It's really cool. She comes out singing, and all these people start joining her pretty soon. There's a whole bunch of people dancing and singing. I said, we got to make that kind of video. I like it. Tackle. T-A-K-L. God wants you to tackle the difficulties in your life so that you can actually finish strong. Am I speaking too loud? I saw, you, I saw you touch your ear, Karen. I thought, never shoes. She actually told me, let's go to noon today. I'm not doing that, but she actually suggested that. There are a few things, seriously, there are a few things that I think are involved in gaining momentum in my life, in your life. And number one would be without question, you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. You are not going to be a good ball player if you don't practice. That's why I suck. So when guys are playing basketball, I'm like, I'm really busy. I think I'll go weave baskets or knit as she is right during the service. I'm so boring, she needs to knit. Am I going to get that blanket when you're done? It's what? For your dad. You can still listen and knit, right? Okay, we're going to start a knitting club right here. All of those who want to knit with her, you can knit and still listen. Right? So you're not going to be good at anything if you don't prepare. So normally at our house up until now, because I've raised two girls that are now married, we didn't watch the NFL draft, any of that kind of stuff. But if I walk in a room now, Josiah's in there watching the NFL draft. And if you got anything out of that at all, you had to get this. Those guys that are at the top of their game had to prepare. It didn't just happen. They didn't just get good. They were out there every chance they had shooting hoops and working out and preparing to be something great. You look at any one of them, and there are a number of videos online right now that talk about some of the athletes that were there. They have their own little video. And their, their dream, like a lot of yours in here, was to play for the NFL. Did I say shooting baskets when I was talking about the NFL? I saw Nick and Lexi last, laughing, so I thought I must have done something wrong. No, I know you don't shoot baskets with a football. Th that I learned that on day one of junior high basketball practice. Okay, all right, so I'm not that stupid. I just, something happened. 
It was probably to humble me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I was listening to Jensen Frank, a Jensen Franklin message this week because he's one of my favorite preachers. And he got up, and he's got a massive church. He got up to preach, and he, he introduced the, mess, the text. He said, my text for this morning is such and such over here. And then he said, the title of my message is three blah, 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 blah. And then everybody started laughing. And he just looked around like this, and they said, that's not the title of your message because the title came up. He goes, oh, that's next week's message. <laughs> it, it was actually difficult for him to rebound out of that. I could tell he was just like, I, I think I'm going to faint. Now, I do know that you don't play football with a basketball. I know that much. All right. Yeah. Do you know that there's a man by the name of Bob Beeman, who was the first person to jump over 29 feet in the long jump. But obviously, he didn't just go out there and jump. He had to practice and practice and practice and practice. Michael Jordan and Dr. J both taken off from behind the free throw line to dunk a basketball in a slam dunk contest, but they both needed to have a running start. And if there's anything that I think all of us need when it comes to gaining momentum in our life, and getting victory over things, and living out your dream, because some of you have a dream, but it's not happening. If there's anything needed, it's preparation. It's preparation to do this thing that you really want to do. If you want to play in the NFL, you got to practice all your life. It starts way down there like this. You're dribbling balls as soon as you can get a ball in your hand. You're, you got to practice to play basketball, not in the NFL with the basketball. But you got to practice to run to do the long jump. <clears throat> I want to gain spiritual momentum in my own life, but there are a lot of pastors who quit because just like me, they go at it and they go take a church out there or they start a church or they take a church that's already in existence and struggling and it doesn't work. I was at Josiah's baseball kickoff thing the other night where they take their pictures. And one of the guys that was there is, was a missionary for many years to Brazil and to a couple other places. Brazil for 19 years. What ended their ministry was he's a motorcycle rider and he actually seriously hurt someone in an accident that was his fault. Because I said, well, what are you doing back here? They actually bought the Duffy's house. And we talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. He said, man, pastor, great things were happening in Brazil. So many lives were being changed, but I had this terrible motorcycle accident. He said, I paid $200,000 in a settlement, and for the rest of my life, I have to pay $850 a month. I said, how do you do it? He said, man, it's been a struggle. It's been such a burden on us. And I, I just, I so desire to put an end to that so that we can get on with our life. But it stopped my ministry completely. You ought to know this going into it, that if you're not prepared for what's coming, you won't be able to handle it, and your dream will never be fulfilled. Now, I'm curious. How many people actually have a dream that has not yet been fulfilled for your life? You have a dream. Raise your hand. I want to see it. That'll, that'll signify that you're not finished, okay? I was hoping Seth Foster would because Seth, I, 
I know you'd like to be a film guy making a movie maybe, tackle movie. Yeah. You think you can do that? I think so. It's preparing ourselves. It's understanding everything about the area that we would like to be in. It's like this. We have to have momentum to overcome the downward force. There is always this force pulling us down. And I see some people going like this. It's happening right now. It's happened over and over in your life where something has come and it's pulled you down to you couldn't get to the point that you dreamed of. Some people go back, according to Dwight L. Moody, into the past and they rake up all the troubles that they've ever had and then they look into the future and anticipate that they're going to have the same kind of troubles in the future and they go reeling and staggering all the way through their life. Is that what we really want? You know this is true in your own life. You're very intelligent. You just never applied that to the dream. You could not see this happening. Or you've struggled in the past in your life with some sin, and you truly do not understand the gospel. The gospel is this. Our entire culture needs to understand this. The gospel is the good news that Jesus paid for all of your sin. It's the good news that you didn't pay for your sin, nor will you be able to pay for your sin, but all of your sin is paid for. So what do we do? We run around, I, I, I just can't be affected because I, I can't get victory in my life. I just struggle with this or I struggle with that. Or I, our marriage just seems to struggle all the time. We never get ahead. It seems like we have three steps forward and two steps back all the time. We're just never having any victory. I so would like to see some forward progress in my life. And it's not happening. Now, if I asked how many people in here are on that page, I guarantee it would be most of us. We will go through life looking at our past problems all the times and applying what happened back there to the future when today you ought to say this, it's not going to happen, I'm done with that. Those days are done, yes? Those days are done, yes? This side, yes? I'm looking at people that are looking around like, yeah, I'm not even paying attention because it ain't going to change nothing. You have no faith. You've been praying for someone in your family? Why did you give up? Why would you give up? Pray through the thing. Philippians 3 says this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the things that are back there and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I keep pressing and pressing on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I'm not going to be a, do a spoiler on the movie, but I cried at the end of the movie, three-hour movie. I cried because the message is ridiculously, rippingly powerful. I would say this emphatically. At, at my age, if there's one thing that I have learned is life is not about money, even though money really makes things more fun. It's not about money. It is about relationships. It is, and, and some of us have convinced ourselves 
I have no friends. My spouse and I are not even close. I'm just living in this doom and gloom world, and that is a lie. You can have joy today. You've got to prepare for that. I got up this morning out of my bed, and I went in the kitchen like I do every morning, and I sat at the kitchen counter, and I read, and I prayed, and I read, and I out loud, I claimed victory in my life. I claimed with God that there would be a movement of God in this church that would start today with people who have almost given up. I came home last night for the movie with that book that Maria had given on the card, and I just felt encouraged, but I sat down at the kitchen counter like I always do every Saturday night with my notes, and I just started crying. Josiah was over there on the other stool, and he was sitting there, and I, I just, I don't know, there's, it's like, weird to cry in front of your kids. So I had my head down like this, and I was weeping, and he said, what's wrong, Dad? That I'm, I'm just sad. I'm sad about myself. That I've failed so much. That I've just not, I'm not a Judas Smith. That, that all kinds of things. And I found, I found such a blessing in this. My 14-year-old ministered to me. It's like when you get in your older years now. It is time for your family to take care of you. He loves me. And I, I felt such empathy and such love for me right there at the counter. It was like, God, I've done something right. My kids love me. Isn't that in itself? Is that not in itself just a great victory? To know that your own kids, your own spouse... My wife was away, and she wrote, she said, I love you more than I could ever possibly write in words. I was sharing this morning, if you know my daughter Danielle at all, I love the daylights out of her, but she can be a pistol. So she is texting me on the way to the movie, and, and she said, and she's down there with my, my wife in Georgia with my wife's brother who's a pastor and his wife. And Danielle texted me yesterday, last night, and she says, I'm just really struggling with mom. And she said, it's just so hard to be around her. Because she like totally changes when she gets around her brother. Because they're very, their church is very legalistic. They would never have this music. When they come, they never stay on a Sunday. Because it would probably destroy their entire Christian life. If, if, they, had to, if they had to listen to Nick and Dirk and other people up here. Those drums are just wicked. They are the, from the devil. It's amazing that we haven't all been demon-possessed. Sometimes I think Nick and Dirk are, but I... Oh, excuse me. No. So, so she texts me. And at the very same time, I get a text from my wife. Pray for me. I'm just struggling with Danielle. <laughs> So I'm, I'm texting both of them. They don't even know I've texted the other person. So, so I, I just, I texted Danielle and I just said, you're used to being alone all the time and just talking to yourself. And, you know, you had to, to get used to having other people because they're, they're different from you. Yeah, you're probably right, Dad. And I said, you know mom loves you with every ounce of her being. And then 
Becky in the meantime is texting me, and then Becky says, she's just so difficult to get along with. She's breathing so heavy. <laughs> if you know my daughter, she has a handicap, so she has some issues. And then Danielle right then texted me and said, Mom says I'm breathing too heavy. <laughs> what am I supposed to do, stop breathing? <laughs> so, wow. Sometimes you're so convinced that people and situations are not going to change, that you've literally given up on prayer. You know you're sitting in the room, and right now in your life, you are praying for your spouse to change, and you think it's never going to happen. Or you're praying for your kids to change, or you're praying for your parents to change, or you're praying for something at work to change, or, or you'd like to make a change, and you, it's just not happening. And I would say this, you have to prepare yourself with God for whatever he sends, because all of it is good. All of it is good. Every bit of what has happened to you is for your good. God says it. There's a second thing that I notice when I'm looking at momentum, and it is, it is this dedication. I got to be prepared, but I got to be dedicated to this. I got to stick with it. In other words, it's staying power. Now, I picture last week, Easter Sunday, I picture th that's the most powerful Sunday out of the entire church year. It moves you. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It is finished. It's done. He doesn't hold us responsible for any sins. But then he was placed in a borrowed grave, which was prophetically fulfilled. And then on Monday, four women went to the tomb. Because you could depend on a mom, a loving mom, to always follow through with her kids. And Mary wanted to be there at the tomb. Because I believe this. I believe moms have more faith in their kids than anybody else. They don't give up. The mom is the one that gets up in the morning and makes the lunch for the kids. Some of you dads may, but as a general rule, most of the moms do. They're the ones that are always concerned about their kids because it's a good thing, Becky, you'll get back soon because Josiah won't have any clothes that are clean. And... Today, I just did her yelling thing. Josiah, get up. We're leaving in 15 minutes. Josiah, get in the shower. And he goes, what in the heck? Showering is so stupid. And I said, once a week does not kill anybody. <laughs> you cannot tell me that teenagers don't have this idea that they should get by with showering maybe once a month. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't. It's not just teenagers. College-age people, too. They just turn their clothes inside out and wear them on the other side. Not kidding. Not kidding either. So you got, you got the text this morning is Matthew 28 real quickly after the Sabbath at dawn of the first day. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They went to look at the tomb. Got to stop there a second. Oh, yeah. Every mom has hope. She heard what he said. She knew what he said. So they go to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven while they were going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it, it says. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, 
Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Yay! Wow! Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. They went to the tomb with expectation. Have you given up on your child? Have you given up on what God's word tells you? Seriously, I'm asking that question again. How many people in here have lost children you're not going to give up on? Raise your hand. A bunch of people have lost children who you've almost given up on. God says that we ought to be dedicated, lost spouses, lost children, lost neighbors, lost friends. We ought to be dedicated to, to bringing the gospel to them until they come to Christ. Yes? And it's going to happen. They went to the tomb with expectation, with dedication. Now, there's three reasons why I probably wouldn't have been one to go to the tomb. Number one is there was a violent earthquake. Who in the world walks in to an earthquake? Do you know of anyone that says, gee, let's go to the tomb. There's an earthquake there. It was at the tomb that there was an earthquake sent from God. A second reason I put down that I would not have gone is there's this alien angelic being whether you realize it or not it's not a being from this earth we have our pictures of angels but the bible says that the person was actually glowing angels most of the time came in the form of a man the the angel was actually glowing and standing there and said to these women spoke to them i don't know what they're expecting by the way with all the movies on zombies now you know with all the movies on zombies, I wonder if they were going there expecting that Jesus was going to come out like some kind of zombie. And then they meet this angelic being glowing and speaking to them. It didn't stop them. It excited them. Because the angel said, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. You know what that tells me? He's good for his word. He is the word. Get in the word. He is the word, and the word became flesh, and the word dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten son of God. I cannot imagine giving my son. The movie last night was so ridiculously powerful, if you know the gospel. you got to see the end of the movie. It will make you cry. It is so powerful when people are dedicated to literally dying to self for others. Life is all about relationships, is it not? I, I guarantee you this, this. This church would explode if you cared more about others than yourself. People would notice a difference in you. They would notice that you're always loving. They would notice that no matter what you were going through, you still managed to show love to everyone. I wouldn't have been like those women, that's for sure. I'm sure they had questions. You have to remember that Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection from the dead at least four times. He said in Mark 8, 31 through 32, when Peter objected that he was going to die, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. 
you know that Peter meant it because he, he wanted to show Jesus that he really loved him. No, you're not going to die. No, 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 no. You're going to be fine. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because I am committed to the plan that God has revealed for my life. Are you committed to God's plan? Yeah. Are, are you quitting early? You've already given up. You've already lost momentum. You don't understand this. The devil will do everything he can to get you off track. He will try to wreck your marriage when God would want you to have a good marriage. Do you believe that? He would try to wreck your family when God would want you to have a powerful, godly, God-fearing family. That's what God wants. He wants good for you. I said this last night on the way home. Um, we would always wish that things would be different because it's hard to see good in bad, isn't it? When I think of my friend Bill Bowman sitting over there, I said this in the car on the way home to Ray. Sometimes you would actually pray things like this. If she had only pulled out five seconds later, right, on a foggy day, if she'd only pulled her vehicle out five seconds later, why, who can argue with God? And Bill would agree with me, wouldn't you? Who can argue with God? Who can argue with God? Nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody wants to have somebody you love die. Nobody. Nobody wants bad for your family. Nobody wants your kids to turn out to be evil. No one wants your kids' marriages to fall apart. No one wants to wish that kind of stuff on anybody. But it happens. Do things all work out for good with God? Yes. He goes on as, as one of his own descriptions of what would happen. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Jesus was predicting, I'm leaving. I won't be with you. Nobody wants to see that. And then again in Matthew 20, he says, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised. And one more reference. Is there one more? There you go. As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, you cannot tell me that any one of us, if we had someone we would love, that said, I want, to, I want you to know that in two days, I'm going to be killed. You cannot tell me that every single one of us would want to do anything we could to stop that from happening. I believe God uses Hollywood even to, to make his point. The gist of the movie is that. Let's go back and change time. But when you try to change time, other things happen. Who are you to question whether God is good or not and what the definition of good is? God is still good even though Mary lost her son. Zechariah the prophet said this hundreds of years before Christ was on the scene. Do not despise the day of small things. People were discouraged and then Zechariah inspired the people to turn God when the, they had to halt the building of the temple. And he said this to them, not by might nor by power but by by my spirit, says the Lord. You don't have enough faith. 
at the end of the service, I'll open that garage door to show you a big yellow food truck. As I was praying, God, help us to do extraordinary things. And I, in my devotions one day this week, I texted Casey and Zach and I just said, I really believe God wants us to have a food truck so we can do neighborhood outreach all summer with it. I want to put this plug in for the summer teen internship. We sent letters out to about 30 kids. Every one of them should do it. It's worth it. Your kids will change. This summer, we will go to neighborhoods Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays and offer free food to disadvantaged people. We've, Casey texted me several trucks, and this one was, was on Craigslist. And so I said, let's go look at it. Casey and I ran over there. It's that big yellow beast out there. It was a Hispanic couple that bought it to use themselves. Really super sweet couple. But in a, in a very bad area. In a bad area, the housing is, it's, you know, it's, it's a, Ray actually said to me, you don't come in here at night. True. But those people were so nice. And I just thought this to myself. I'd like to come here one day a week this summer. Ooh, come on, God. They need Jesus. They might not have any money, but they need Jesus. They were asking $8,500 for that vehicle out there. I use the term Jude because that's not a good word. We Jude them down. You know, that's my, well, blame my dad. He used to say that all the time. You just need to Jew him down. If you've ever been to Vietnam, you never give them full price. They, how much do you want for those sunglasses? You'll say to them and they'll say, They'll look at you and go, um, $50. You've been there with me? You know what I'm talking about. I went, have you lost your mind? I've been coming here 23 years. I bought those same sunglasses for a dollar. Oh, you're crazy, man. You're just crazy. You're, yeah, I'm crazy, all right, but I'm not paying you one cent over a dollar. And then I walk away. Then they come, sir, sir, yes, sold. Long story short, they wanted $8,500 for the man. We can have it for $6,500, and it has all the kitchen equipment in it, all the electrical done, all the wiring done in it. It's old, but it's ready to go. Now, here, I'm just challenging you to this. We've got to pay for it. So some of you today are going to pay for it. Yes, it's your lucky day. You didn't know you were going to get blessed to pay for that. I need two guys in our church that will be mechanics to keep it up. I need some people. I need to get it painted. I want it to be painted black, and we're going to do a bunch of decals and stuff on it. I need some people that actually want to participate in that ministry. I went to get keys made yesterday at Lowe's, and I pulled out the key, and they said, well, we normally don't do vehicle keys. And I said, well, will you look? This is really old. There's 21,000 miles on it. It's, it's very, very old. So it was just used locally. But I gave him the key, and he said, what is it for? And I said, it's for a food truck. And he said, well, what are you going to do with a food truck? And I said, I want to use it to minister to people and give away free food to those who are disadvantaged. And he goes, wow. That's the coolest I've ever, idea I've ever heard of a church. I said, we can get our people to donate hot dogs and chips and brownie mixes and all kinds of stuff and taco meat and blah, blah, blah. It's going to happen. 
because I've had this dream for a long time, and it will lead into a food ministry. And there are people in here who would love to be involved in it. The first way to be involved is let's pay for it today. We can do that. You agree? One more time, and I'll look at your lips. Uh-huh. I'm not talking. No, I won't do that. I have to be the goofiest preacher in the whole world. See, I know you do. Mm. Well, seriously, people, haven't you almost given up on something? Like even recently, haven't you almost given up on something? You've cried over it. You've prayed over it. You've begged God over it. You've gone back over and over to God, and it still isn't happening. And join me in this. I'm going to put some momentum to my prayers and not stop, and rather than giving up, finish strong. We can do this together, can't we? We can do it because you know people who you should talk to to fill all the empty chairs in here, people that need Christ. You are the best way to make things happen. The people were wrong. I, I put in my notes, but they were wrong because the disciples had been following Jesus for the past three years, and they all ran their own way, but not Mom, not Mary, and not those other women. They still held on to hope. You have almost given up, and God is saying, you need to put some momentum back in your life until this dream happens. Who is that? Raise your hand. You need to put some momentum in your dream. Come on. I want to look around. I got a dream. I need to put some momentum into it and see God do it. Yes. If you don't raise your hand, I would say you're just sitting there. Oh, my dream's all fulfilled, and I'm happy. I'm 40, and I've had a full life of already with my husband. I'm not expecting it to get better. Really? Have you given up? You've totally given up? I'm so tired, I just can't go another inch. I'd rather just throw in the towel. It says in John chapter 6, Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was treating, he was testing Philip for he had already knew what he was going to do. And so you got Philip, you got these guys that are with Jesus, and Jesus is actually throwing this opportunity to have faith right at, at his disciples. Philip didn't believe anything could be done. Andrew didn't believe anything could be done. Philip thought they had to go and get some other help. Andrew saw that they had a little help, but it wasn't hardly enough. And I believe that God works miracles when we have the faith to believe it. You need to speak it. My third point was this. you got to have the determination to speak it. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to have an opportunity right now because this is what I've learned to do. Actually say it out loud, out loud so it can be heard. This is what I have been praying would happen. I want you right now, when I say three, 
to, to shout out loud what you're praying for and believing God to happen. Are you ready? Uh-huh. You're going to believe God for something. You're going to have the determination to pray that it happens. One, two, three. Now, what I see right now, not exaggerating at all. I see some women who think their husband will never change. I see some men who think you've screwed up too bad that God can't change the future. I see kids that have literally lost hope in becoming anything because they don't have any money, they can't go to college, on and on and on and on. And God says, are you going to trust me? Are you determined enough? This is what I see with David, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. First Samuel says, but David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him. And when he rose up against me, I seized him and his beard and struck him and killed him. Killed the lion, killed the bear, killed the giant. Prepare. You are determined, and you don't give up. You are in training right now. God is testing you to see whether you're going to perform what he would like to do, isn't he? Some people are shaking their heads like this. You need God to, to work in your life to the point where there is a victory. And I love what Jensen Franklin says. And then you will do this. Listen to me. You will go from victory to victory to victory to victory to victory. In fact, other people will join and ask you to join with them for a victory. Victory to victory to victory to victory to victory. That's how it will go. If you believe God and are determined that this is going to happen, a momentum will take place and people will actually want to join you in seeing miracles performed. Yes? You need a miracle. You need to put some action in your life. You need to pray, pray out loud, but pray every day. Start your day with God. Get in his word. Put him back into first place in your life and see if momentum doesn't take place. And, the, and then all of a sudden, you're just going to be saying, God, I, I thank you so much for what you are doing in my life. Is she the only one that can say yes? Are there any other crazy people? Do you, do you not actually sometimes just drive down the road and you're talking to God and saying, God, I'm just not letting up. Right, Bill? You go, sometimes you just get crazy and you say, God, I am not giving up until this happens. We give up so easily. Momentum is a product of mass or weight and velocity, the velocity of an object. So if I have a little bag with stones in it and I take that stone and I get it swinging around, I can see with speed it could kill a giant. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? Okay, it may not be your vision to have a food truck, but I guarantee you it is going to point people to Jesus. And so what do you do? You give out of the goodness of your heart. It should be paid for today. Today. We will use it for God's kingdom, and I guarantee you what's going to happen. God's going to start to open other doors. Other doors. 
Little do you realize, I was sitting at my counter last night and I shared this at this morning at Praise Fam. Josh Thurkettle is a good friend of mine. He is related to Nick. Nick's sister is married to Josh, so some of you know him. Years ago, he was working at, at my previous church, building a fireplace for us, and I started talking to him, and he was not, he didn't like me at all. Long story short, I led him to Christ. And then I challenged him to go to Vietnam with me and see if that didn't change his life. And he went three different times. He actually went to New, Papua New Guinea with me on one trip. The third trip that we were on together, we were each in our own bed laying there and praying and talking, and he said to me, I don't know, I, I just feel like God is calling me to something bigger, like to doing ministry. And I said, when's it going to happen? You've said that every year we've been here. And he said, it's going to happen right now. And he got on the phone and he called his wife and said, I'm resigning from my job. I'm going into ministry full time. He has since, since he's been saved, he's finished his college degree. He's finished his master's degree uh, and, and is a pastor. And I could go down a list. I could literally go down a list of people. I, I shared this at men's Bible study. I ran into a couple a couple weeks ago. And they, this, they were so encouraging to my wife and I. And she just said, Pastor, when the devil gets you, don't forget that you have been responsible for hundreds of people coming to Christ. This is how I see it. Some little kid that is disadvantaged is going to get a hot dog from the food trip. And some little kid is going to think there's some hope in his life because he's going to make friends with our teenagers who are interns this summer, and he's going to come to church, and he's going to hear the gospel, and he's going to get saved and become a powerhouse for God. Amen. Speak it. Speak it this morning. Speak it into existence. Speak love. Speak grace. Speak the gospel into people and see if it doesn't happen. And I'll guarantee you what's going to happen because of that. The outcome of that is going to be it's going to generate momentum, not just for you, but for someone else. I can remember the day I led Pastor Nick to the Lord. I, last night when I was discouraged, the Bible, God said to me as I was reading, think about those things that are good and true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things. I want to encourage you today. If you have been discouraged, stop. God cares about you. His grace covers your entire world. Yes, it 